Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Jambase Podcast, a proud partner of Osiris Media, the podcast network for music. I'm Scott Bernstein, and on this episode, we'll hear from Widespread Panic's John Bell. I spoke with JB about Miss Kitty's Lounge, a collection of Widespread Panic demos from 1990 that was recently released. Stay tuned for that interview. But first, a word from this episode's sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Section 119. Section 119 offers a diverse range of quality Grateful Dead, Donut Pattern, David Bowie, Pink Floyd, and other music-related apparel. In honor of the 50th anniversary of the Grateful Dead's historic Europe 72 tour, Jambase is taking a retrospective look back at each of 22 performances that took place between April 7th and May 26th. The series launched in partnership with Section 119. Celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Grateful Dead 72 European tour with Section 119's limited edition hoodies. Section 119 dug deep into the archive of the Grateful Dead to build 22 unique hoodies with the actual amazing artwork from each show of the tour. Section 119 is only offering 72 pieces inspired by each show. Premium quality hoodies that are available for a limited time. 50 days, 22 shows. Relive the long, strange, amazing trip it must have been. England to Denmark, West Germany, Paris, France, Amsterdam, and then heading back to England to wrap up the tour. Experience the music in every hoodie. Visit Section 119 at section119.com. That's S-E-C-T-I-O-N 119.com to explore their full Grateful Dead 72 European Tour limited edition hoodies collection. As you just heard, Section 119 sponsored our Remembering Europe 72 series of retrospective articles. Today, May 26th, marks the 50th anniversary of the historic tours finale in London. Andy Kahn put together 22 amazing articles about the tour, jam-packed with incredible information about the legendary track. I thought I knew plenty about the dead in the Europe 72 tour, but I was amazed at everything I learned in reading the series. Job well done, AK, and I highly recommend spending some time checking out the deep dives. Speaking of being proud to be a member of the Jambase team, I'm incredibly excited for As Summer Into Autumn Slips, a three-day music event presented by Jambase from October 7th through October 9th at Soundcheck Studios in Pembroke, Massachusetts. Appearing all three nights will be Brad Barr, Andrew Barr, and Mark Friedman of The Slip. Friday, the trio will be joined by Nathan Moore and Marco Benevento to assemble Surprise Me, Mr. Davis, and Saturday and Sunday's performances by The Slip will be headlining sets. On Friday, Marco will play a set with the classic Marco Benevento trio featuring Reed Mathis on bass and Andrew Barr on drums. On Saturday, Brooklyn-based trio Wolf featuring Scott Metzger supports and Boston-based collective Club Delph supports on Sunday. Nashville guitarist William Tyler will appear all three nights. The spirit of this event is to foster collaboration among like-minded ensembles and bring you three nights of original music. Capacity is limited, so don't hesitate to grab your tickets before it's too late. Head to summerintoautumn.com to purchase your tickets now. That's summerintoautumn.com. I also want to note Fishbring Tour starts this weekend, and Jambase will provide full coverage of each show. Be sure to check out Jambase.com for the skinny, featuring recaps and statistical breakdowns for all eight concerts. 
All right, now let's get to my chat with John Bell. I recently connected with the widespread panic guitarist and vocalist via video chat from his home in North Carolina. JB talked about how the band put its focus on getting Miss Kitty's Lounge ready for release once the pandemic started. The 14-song collection of demos was recorded in 1990 at John Keane's studio in Athens, Georgia, by the Widespread Panic lineup, which at the time consisted of JB, Dave Schools, Mikey Hauser, Todd Nance, and Domingo Sonny Ortiz. Bell explained that the goal of the original sessions was to produce a quality demo to shop to labels who were interested in signing the band. JB spoke about his experience listening to recordings 30 years later and how the group forged a relationship with producer John Keane and his uncanny ability to mix professionalism with a sense of humor. Miss Kitty's Lounge was recorded mostly live, as Bell discussed. The Athens native also spoke about why widespread panic originals are credited to the whole band. While most of the songs on Miss Kitty's Lounge have remained staples of the widespread panic repertoire, JB went on to discuss why live performances of L.A. or Liza's Apartment have been rare in recent years. The demos eventually led to widespread panic signing with Capricorn Records. Bell spoke about their time on the legendary label. Additionally, JB talked about collaborating with saxophonist Randall Bramblett and fish keyboardist Paige McConnell for the demos featured on Miss Kitty's Lounge. 2022 marks 20 years since the death of widespread panic lead guitarist and namesake Michael Hauser. Bell recalled the decision the band made to move forward in the wake of Mikey's death. Other topics discussed were the cover art for Miss Kitty's Lounge, which was made by Hauser's wife, the potential for a new widespread panic studio album, the group's upcoming August run in Atlanta, and the enthusiasm brought to the band by drummer Dwayne Trucks. Listen to my interview with John Bell, which we'll lead into with a bit of pigeons from Miss Kitty's Lounge. Extremely excited to welcome Widespread Panic's John Bell for his first appearance on the Jam Bass Podcast. How are you doing, JB? Doing great. Beautiful day. Snipping some pollen. Watching PGA on TV. <laughs> that, that's right. It is the the open weekend. Uh, where where are you right now? Uh, let me see. I'm up in uh, North Carolina. Oh, excellent. Which is why our Speed was a little slow. <laughs> yes. I assume, I assume we can blame it on me. <laughs> Let, for the time being, let's let's do that. <laughs> well, it, it's certainly this been... This should be a dirty look. 
<laughs> well, you I, you have video of me and I don't have video of you. So you'll see if I'm shooting you a, a dirty look. <laughs> well, it's been a crazy few years since the pandemic started. Um, how did you keep busy while touring was paused? Um, well, you know, that's uh, it went in stages, I reckon. Uh, first one's just like waking up. March 15th and seeing that, uh, oh, you're going to change your lifestyle for a little bit. And, uh, but, uh, you know, gosh, the rest of it is trying to make yourself useful, be somewhat creative, do things with free time that you wouldn't have usually because you wouldn't usually have free time. Um, uh, it, but it, it's interesting to, it's interesting to jump into something that uh, you didn't choose the uh, the timing or the parameters of, but uh, but you had to make the best of it. So that's where we were. So you know, one of the things we did was, uh, and I think that's what we're talking about, is uh, thinking of ways to just you know keep doing musical widespread panic things, um, and to retrieve this old these old recordings, these old tracks from. Uh, from a demo session from way, way back, uh, that was one of those ideas. And it wasn't without a lot of hiccups, but uh, but now we have the finished product in the Miss Kitty's, uh, Miss Kitty's Lounge record. Where does the name come from? Um, well, let me see. It, it, this was a meet and three place in Athens uh, where we did some filming and um, and some and and did some photography too for for uh the first self titled release um and uh and that miss kitty's lounge was one of the photos i think in the original artwork package for widespread panic widespread panic and so uh when we looked at it, we go oh you know that would have been a good name for a record <laughs> So we, you know, we've always called Miss Kitty's Lounge. Uh, the band has just so we have something to refer to. And, uh, and but this is different from that. You know, this is. <laughs> and did you have the original tapes always, or or did you have to dig them out? Well, we we had to dig them out. We had them, uh, but we had to dig them out because. Uh, Aside from being filed or moved or, you know, restored, it's, uh, you know, we hadn't seen them in 30 years. 40, yeah, no, 30 years. And um, so, uh, you know, and they were a little dusty. It, it was a little touch and go there when they went to the um, the shop that was going to, you know, turn them into digital files that we could work with easier. Um it was one of one of those things where there was a lot of a uh, lot of dust and mold, and with the cleaning process, I think you only get one shot at it, and because um, you can't clean them twice or something, they'll blow up or something like a Mission Impossible tape. <laughs> um, but it uh, but it came out, and uh, and then there were you know. Shoot, this thing was we had meant for this. We tried to we've been working on this probably for a year and a half now. Um be with uh trying to get um 
well, make sure things were viable. The tapes were viable. Do the transfers. Uh, fix some glitches that were in there. Listen to the mixes. Um, have John Keane in Athens remix them. And he was the original. He was the original producer on our on the demo too. And uh, but then there were issues, supply chain issues with uh, um, pressing vinyl too. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. And uh, but here it is. Finally, we're recording this on on the day before it, it finally co- comes out. And uh, what was how was your experience your first time listening back to these old recordings? Um, my initial impression was uh, that musically we really played. It was amazing. You know, we played a lot. We were playing. Felt like every night. It wasn't that much, but we were playing four or five nights a week at that point, and um, so we knew these songs inside and out. And uh, so I really, I really dug the performance. But I also noticed that, uh, you know, I did my best to shy away from any kind of melody line throughout the <laughs> duration of this album. And but that kind, of, that kind of reminded me of where our heads were at back then. You know, uh, Mikey never played cliche guitar licks either. And it was like, and vocally, I'd just uh, take off and go where, wherever it was. So, but, you know, if I had it to do over again, I might throw a melody in there. <laughs> sure, but that's what makes this so special and, and such an interesting listen for for Wadsworth Panic fans. Yeah, this is a real thing. This is a snapshot of where we were right back then. And this was uh, this was us in between our Space Wrangler record and whatever was going to come next. You know, we were um, we were being courted by, well, you know, there were a couple record companies, uh, major labels that were looking at us, but also not knowing what to do with us. And so we were going ahead and making and doing this recording anyway. So it really was going to be a record itself, but it turned out to be a demo because we got picked up by, um, oh God. Capricorn. Can you remember the name of that uh, record company? Capricorn. No, well, it was, uh, I'm sorry. Yes, of course I can. It was Capricorn. I was thinking of another one that we were messing with at the time. Um, but yeah. And, um, so when we got with Capricorn, then we just jumped into re-recording things with new producer and new, uh, and, uh, and went to various studios. Um, again, that's not reflected in this John Keen work, but, uh, um, but this is what happened before we kind of just let the uh, record company lead the way. And, we, you know, we followed we followed that process. And John Keane's been such a huge figure in, in widespread panics career. But but what's what's the origin story? How did you guys meet up with him originally? Um, well. We'd always heard about, you know, heard his name. You know, a local band in Athens, and there are a few producers and stuff, and guys with studios. 
and John was uh, John was one of the cats. We hadn't met him yet, but he uh, um, but he had a name around town, and um, you know, I think we had some mutual friends down the line, um, and uh, but still hadn't really, you know, we hadn't hooked up musically yet. Um, you know, we did. I remember we had uh, our very first show that we played uh, as a band, um, Widespread Panic. Um, we it was semi festival setting, multiple band, uh, multiple bands at um, Mad Hatter Ballroom in Athens, and um, I believe that John Keane's band, the Strawberry Flats, was uh, headlining, and we were. We were three or four down the down the list there, um, but when the time came, uh, we uh, we threw some money down and went into John's studio and recorded wide uh, recorded Space Wrangler, and um, and that's you know it's been a great relationship uh, ever since. He's a he's a really hip guy hip guy. What is it about what what does he bring to the table that in particular that that has has kept this relationship going for so long? Um, he's very uh, he's very precise and professional in his technique and his understanding of the of the recording process. I mean, at all steps, it's not just conceptual. His engineering abilities are amazing. Um, and uh, you know he's got a great sense of humor, which is kind of crucial for us because yeah. we like to screw around a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so that was a that was a welcome mix. Uh, you know, somebody that uh, um, really serious about his craft, but uh, would he, he? You know, he gave us a little gave us a little rope to um, stay in a comfort zone. You know, and uh, oh, here's a good story, maybe. Um, we were, uh, we were taking a break in between sets at a local club and we'd been, re- we'd been recording with them. And, um, so we're out catching a smoke in, be- in between sets and, uh, see John pull up parking space down the street and pull out this, pull out a Fender Twin, I think, out of his trunk. And we are just like, Hey, John. Where are you going? You got a gig? And he's like, yes. Yeah. Who are you playing with? And he just said, you guys. <laughs> and <we're, laughs> I think he's the only, he's the only cat that's forced him, forced his way on stage. And he really didn't have to force his way. We just thought that was hilarious. And, and it was a more, more the merrier kind of thing. And actually, you know, kind of, um, kind of flattered that he'd even want to play with us. Cause he, he knew that we were, you know, a pretty, pretty silly bunch. Do you remember how long the sessions lasted? Boy, I can't imagine more than two weeks. Oh, oh, for yeah, for this one, yeah, probably, probably two, two or three weeks. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, probably. Yeah, I think, but I think we were working in a different kind of format a lot of this stuff was more live than usual you know there were some over overdubs of course but most of it was 
straight off the cuff. Question I've always wondered, widespread panic originals are, are generally credited to the whole band. Was that a decision made early on when it came to the songwriting? Uh, yep. Yep. Right. Uh, even before we became a company and all that, it, it was part of just sorting out how we were going to, how we were going to set the stage of, you know, how to be with each other for however long we were going to be with each other. Um, so it was, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> we got, that's my, that's my bird. <laughs> also tells me what my wife, <laughs> um, that was Mila. Uh, Hi, Mila. anyway, um, so let me see, uh, Okay, bring me back to the question. So you just about all, all originals are, are credited to the whole band, and what what led to uh, that? Yeah, we you know, you know we were of the we were of the mindset that uh, you know we're in this whole thing together. I mean, we're living together. Somebody comes up with an idea. Somebody else comes up with another idea. Uh, it would have seemed really nitpicky to start, you know, prancing around claiming a song as your own. I mean, even if you even if you came back from a vacation or something or going to see your family at Christmas and came back with a new song, you obviously you'd written yourself, but it's like our experience together, we were so intertwined that you can't really say you'd have written that song without knowing these guys. So to just uh, make things simple and brotherly, um, that's why everybody gets credit. That's great. Most of the songs on the collection have remained staples of the live show ever since, but Liza's Apartment or, or L.A. has only been played three times in the last decade. Is there something that doesn't connect with you on that one? Or, or why has that, that been so, so rare? Um, no, it just, you know, there are lots of lots of songs that get uh, passed over, mostly because it's. Uh, you know, when you're putting the sets together. It's like if you haven't if you hadn't visited something and rehearsed it, gotten to know it again, uh, you don't want to do it an injustice by just playing it. So uh, that can happen. That can happen year after year before you finally sit down and and play it. Um, I do think we played it a couple times with Jimmy though, and and Dwayne. Um, yeah, three times. And so so in. 
in our very slow going world, that is kind of a, uh, um, it's kind of rising to the top again. <laughs> <laughs> As you mentioned, the, the sessions eventually led to you being signed by Capricorn. Do, do you remember what it was about that label that attracted you as opposed to the other ones that you were talking with? Um, yeah, well, uh, Capricorn, we just, they were, they courted us in a nicer way than some of the other companies did. Um, and then, and the bottom line is they were more uh, they were more understanding of letting us find our own way. Um, you know, other other record companies were like, you know, we're going to sign you, but you're going to have to do what we say. And that was, you know, they were foreshadowing uh, songwriters, different producers, other musicians, you know, that kind of that kind of stuff. And, you know, and that's the way that, that happens in the record business, record company business a lot. But we've been together so long as a band, we were already on this trip of, you know, finding out who we were by letting it just grow the way, it you know, let the friendship be what it was going to be musically and, and friendship wise, too. And uh, and and Capricorn, that they. Uh, Big Phil and Little Phil both understood that. Um, Big Phil Walden was the record company president, and uh, Little Phil was his son, who uh, who became our uh, oh our manager for a second, um, and uh, and so he you know he was he was helping us out a little bit early uh, a little bit at, out a little in the early days before we even signed. And certainly the legacy of Southern Rock and, and Capricorn is um, quite long and Im impressive. Very much so. Yeah, we get, you know, we get an earful of all that stuff, living in Athens and going down to play in Macon because uh, Capricorn was still like, you know, shoot, we started playing live in 86 something like that. So, uh, um, you know, I don't know when Capricorn folded the, uh, you know, the first chapter of their existence, but, uh, I know the stories were still abundant <laughs> down <laughs> south. So there was a nice, nice mystique going on there. We even got to record down in, um, in the, uh, uh, old Capricorn studio in Macon when we were down there. 
um, we, we were playing playing shows in a little restaurant called the Rookery, and um, and we went in, and uh, I think it was Otis Redding Jr. was uh, um, was in there doing the producing. And so that was kind of fun. That was like coconut and sleep. It was like five songs that we were, you know, that we had space Wrangler porch song probably. And I, I believe a recent or during the, the pandemic, uh, an, an old version of coconut was released. Um, do you know if it was from that, that session? No, that was from, that was from another session. I think it was 16 track. Um, in a uh, home studio uh, with a cat. I don't, I just remember his name was Wind, W-I-N-D. <laughs> um, he, was, he was one of the rotating um, sound men in Athens going to the 40 watt in Uptown. And we met him, we met him like that. And, uh, and we did, that was our first batch of uh, recordings. So that, that was our very first, kind of demo we session and we and we put out that uh that single off those sessions okay and, and getting back to miss kitty's lounge how, how did randall bramble get involved um well you know another athens connection um and uh you know we asked him to play so and help me out here is liza's apartment on is that on this on yes. this kitty's lounge? Okay, yeah. uh, you know we asked him to come in and um and uh, play. I think it was an alto or no soprano sax. Yes, soprano. I'm not sure. Um, but it was funny because he was, but that, you know he was he's a cat we knew from um, from Athens and works with John. So you know, easy connection there. Phone call away. And, uh, but it was, um, I don't know, I forget what key we played it in, but it was something weird for a soprano sax. And he had just, he had just assumed that, oh man, this cassette must've just been, you know, recorded at a slower, <laughs> at a slower speed. I'll find out what key it is when I get, no, it was, it was that one. I don't know, E flat minor or something weird like that. Um, but, uh, no, but, and Randall, shoot, Randall's been with us, um, you know, as a buddy and a, a musician for ever since then, um, the horn section comes out and plays with us from time to time. We, you know, do some, do some concerts together and, uh, um, and shoot when Mike passed away. Uh, he came in to with George McConnell to help fill that uh, fill that void, so we could keep touring at the time. It's, it's unbelievable. It's been twenty years. Was there any thought? No given, was there any thought given to to stopping when when, when Mikey passed? Maybe a minute, but it was you know it, this is it, it's what we were doing, and it was like we couldn't really we were touring a lot and it was our livelihood. Yeah. You know, so we couldn't really, and we had gigs, so we couldn't really, we couldn't really stop, um, for those reasons. But there was also, 
you know, part of your sanity, you keep going, doing what you're doing. And it's, uh, you know, that it's not, it's not going to be the same, but, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be something new with a new, you know, with new players. And is it my understanding that, that Mikey's wife did the cover art for. She did. Kitties? And I'm so, yeah, I'm so glad that it came back to light too. Cause, uh, yeah, because that was a weird situation. It was like Mike came into the studio um, when we were recording the uh, Capricorn version and um, with this beautiful piece of artwork. And, you know, it, and we were we were letting the record company have a little more control um, just so we weren't being, you know, too persnickety about things. And um, they kind of ripped off some of the elements, threw it over into their in-house art guy and and created that a cover that they liked, that Phil liked. And um, so her beautiful piece of artwork got squashed. And that was, uh, you know, that was something that, uh, you know, we would have liked to that that we would like that that did not happen. (laughs) So here you go. <laughs> Bunch of years later, um, it gets to see the light of day, and I'm I'm glad she let us use it. <laughs> and Paige McConnell also contributed as this was before T. Lavitz and then JoJo joined the band. Were Were you always looking to add a keyboardist? Um, let's see. You know, I think we were always open to having that. Um you know, having that element in there. Um, but there again, it was, uh, you know, Paige, Paige was a buddy, like, like Randall was a buddy, came in and, and, and played. And, um, uh, and so, and then T. Lavitz, we met him through the record company, Capricorn. And, that was he joined the band and then we got to know him um and then you know he had a really a real professional career cooking so he was with us for about i don't know this record and about and a little bit of the um the everyday album at least some of the first recordings on that and um then uh but then he left to do his stuff and then we met jojo and that's you know jojo became the keyboardist for widespread panic and just like um jojo now it's been uh, eight years since duane came aboard Uh, how how does he had a free show yeah (laughs) (laughs) how how does he fit in musically and, and and personally with the guys well, I can't say anything bad about him. And that sucks because that'd be fun. <laughs> but, uh, um, well, he's an incredible musician. He's really young, so he's got a lot of um, enthusiasm and energy. Um, he communicates really well musically, um, which is really hip if you think of it coming into a, a bunch of guys that have kind of had their own language for a while 
And just to roll right in there, it's not like we're swapping, you know, sheets and, uh, you know, sheet music or anything like that. A lot of us have our own cheat sheets, but we all have different languages and we all, but, you know, we all speak together and understand what each other's trying to get at. But, and he's able to jump in just like that. Um, got a lot of good ideas creatively, a lot of fun to be around. So, you know, couldn't, uh, couldn't ask for a better addition. Excellent. Uh, got two more questions for you and then I'll let you get back to the open. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there was a period a few years back when widespread panic live archival releases came out regularly, but it, it since stopped now that Miss Kitty's lounge is out, do you see the band putting out more live archival sets in the future? Um, you know, I, right now I'd say there, we don't have big plans there. It's for us, it's more fun. We do like any archival releases to be, we prefer them to be, um, you know, remixed. And, and a lot of stuff came out. Those were just enhanced board mixes. Um, and, and a lot of them, you know, it's, uh, we got a lot of material, but a lot of it's some of the same material, at least some of the same songs. You know, even if they're played differently and and the sets are different, different energy and stuff like that. Um, so basically, it's, you know, we do it if we want to do it, but there's no, I don't think there's any great, uh, we're not chomping at the bit to do that. Because at the same time, now, uh, techno- technology-wise, those shows are available through Nugsnet um, within 24 hours. Yeah. So that's kind of what you were getting with the archival releases. It's all digital. You know, you're not having to, I guess you can order hard copies. I'm not sure how they do it now, but um, it's, uh, but it's a different world. So that's one reason there's not a lot of physical product going out there. Sure. And, and finally, um, all my uh, fellow Watch for Panic fans, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, is is there any new material in the works? Will we see another Watch for Panic studio album anytime soon? Um, we have been talking about it. And, and, and live-wise, you've already seen, you, we've already played a few tunes. Halloween Face. Um, Halloween Face, Sundown Betty. It's almost the makings of a Halloween album right there. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and we got a few things you haven't heard yet that um, they're ready. They're ready to go out. We, we just we just have to show up at the show, rehearse them and feel right about playing them. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of our a lot of our effort right now is just making these gigs because you know even we really haven't been playing that long hasn't been a year yet it's been almost a year but we had the you know another covid hiccup in uh at the end of last year so uh you know we're still of this mindset of um getting the shows uh keeping ourselves healthy um uh 
being ready to perform the show that we're doing right there. And, um, and it really, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of working at one, one weekend at a time kind of thing. Um, but there's, uh, yeah, there's, there's a definitely a general consensus that everybody's excited to get back in the studio. Excellent. And you've got, uh, uh, speaking of that, you know, the, uh, show's getting, uh, postponed and everything. It's gotta be weird, uh, to have a new year's run in the middle of August coming up at the Fox. <laughs> yeah. And that's, uh, it will be a new year's show. All right. I'm, I'm glad to, that's to hear that. That's how we're tackling it. Cause that's what we missed. And, uh, and it's going to be four shows, and then and then we got the uh, the Beacon shows in New York. That's uh, that's another that will be our last makeup show, uh, makeup stint. Um, and basically, then we'll be back at square one um, with regular regular scheduling. Excellent. Now, let's hope it all stays that way. Fingers crossed, and I am excited for the Beacon Run as a New Yorker. All right. Oh, cool. So, uh, yeah, that was, and that Beacon was, those were the last shows we played before uh, COVID shut everything down. That's right. Uh, I, I remember the, the the vibe was very weird toward, towards the, the end of that, but uh, such a great run. Well, Jimmy, yeah, I was just eating. I was just eating. Bags of chips in my hotel room and <laughs> going to the gig and running back because we, you know, that was early March, but you know, we already knew things were starting to bubble. Absolutely. Well, well, JB, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Miss Kitty's lounge is out now. I highly recommend it. And, um, we will see you out there and enjoy the rest of the, uh, us open weekend. All right. It is the PGA championship. Oh, okay. But, uh, uh, I'll get ahead of just, myself. That's not a big deal. It's all the same guys. <laughs> I, I'm a music journalist, not a sports journalist. So we'll, we'll forgive me for that one. Uh, yes, definitely. <laughs> okay. Take care, JB. All right. Thank you, Scott. wrap on this episode of the jam base podcast thanks to john bell for the fantastic chat widespread panics miss kitty's lounge is available now wherever you pick up good music also thanks to section 119 for sponsoring this episode jake alexander for producing and you for listening check back next week for another stellar interview be sure to check out our remembering europe 72 articles and pick up your summer into autumn slips tickets Have a great holiday weekend and go see live music.